Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Father John and my good friend Joe Doman here Hi. with you. Welcome back. Part two on the difficult uh, um, topic of homosexuality. It's been a week and we're happy you're listening to this one. Uh, many probably did not shut it off after the uh, part of the last one. But uh, tonight we want to kind of continue the conversation, but shift more towards now practically, uh, given all the facts, the statistics, the moral teaching, hmm. the uh, the ways we have to resist uh, you know, the approach to gay marriage and all these different things. Now we, we kind of move towards, okay, what do you do if you have a son or a friend um, exactly. Or you we encounter all, somebody we who struggles with know, this. We all know, I mean, if you've gone to public high school or if you have gone to any high school or, I don't know, if you're in our generation, in your 20s, early 30s, like John, uh, <laughs> you have... Very early 30s. Very. Um, you've encountered this, and you're going to continue to encounter throughout the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're definitely encountering it if you're in America, in the culture. And um, one of the things that is... That I see, okay, so our last conversation, um, the, which you led on the homosexuality uh, and kind of the, the statistics, the church teaching around it, um, it's, it's, it, the danger in focusing solely on that is that this issue becomes purely a cultural war right. or a political battle right. or um, something that's abstract. Um, but it's also, there's a war going on in hearts. Uh, there's a battle for individual souls that's going on. Um, and I think when we speak solely on that level, we can tend to, and this has been my frustration with, uh, how, uh, how should I say this? Um, with how, at least in some circles in the church, this issue is talked about, right? Because I feel like it's only talked about as a political issue, right. as a political reality. Gay marriage, we need to define marriage, we need to guard marriage, we need to protect marriage, which is totally, I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I think that's an important battle to fight. Um, But we can't lose sight of the fact that there are people in the pews who love Christ, may even love the church, um, and who have this struggle. There are people in our families, there are our friends, uh, who this isn't a political issue for them. This is an issue of their own their own desires, their own shame, their own, um, their own souls, you know? Um, so, uh, anyway, basically that's why I think it's important. I'm glad we're doing this in two parts because right. it's really, is there's really two topics. It's the political, the, cu- the cultural, the gay marriage question, all those things, but it's also, what do you do when you meet, when you meet someone, right. when it's someone in your family, when it's someone in your community, um, how do you be Christ to them, uh, without just watering down the truth and, well, and that's what I think is the two extremes that mm-hmm. happen because it's such a difficult situation to deal with that you either do one of two things: you either completely reject them, you completely freak out, and you th- you know, and you just remove them from mm-hmm. life, or you completely set aside all the church's teachings and any attempt, and you just say, "We love you, we accept you, you know, we're tolerant of mm-hmm. you," and it becomes just nothing. And I think the church. Uh as far as the church that's speaking in public life, has erred more on the side of let's just say the truth and let's be clear about it. Um, but what's what's felt when when the church, you know, say a bishop says the whole teaching of the church's teaching on gay marriage uh, and and same sex attraction with with the love and the truth and everything, the media will take that and all they'll take is all, all that's communicated to the public 
is churches against gays or church right. against gay marriage or now what i would say what i would say to that is that's true the public persona of the of the church as the bishops mm-hmm. is all about this is the church teaching. We're standing to it. Let's, you know, which isn't take, bad. But the take media takes that. What's but communicated? The though? people in the pews. At least my experience mm-hmm. of, of being a priest now for several years. Sure, they're the exact opposite. We have no backbone as Catholics. <laughs> yeah. We are the first to say, show how tolerant and how accepting and how loving we are. The problem is not. There's a very f- small, fierce minority of, uh, I would say, who are really, really getting, at least in Denver, and I've been in Boulder for two years, so yeah. it's a very small minority who I would say are too aggressive um, mm. and too extreme right. in fighting it. Yeah. And even in the way that some priests preach about it, they get too excessive. They, mm-hmm. do it, they do it too much. They do it too often. They don't do it the right way. But the 95% of the people that I see either don't believe what the church teaches outrightly or they're really ready to just sit, show that we will throw this out. Right. And mm-hmm. That that's what I'm seeing in, in the church. Totally. So right we now. have we have both extremes. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but if you look at what the church is saying officially, I think it's very balanced. So this is from last week. John read twenty three fifty seven from the Catechism. Next paragraph twenty uh, three fifty eight. We're just going to kind of unpack this a little bit. So uh, this is twenty three fifty eight from the Catechism. Um, the number of men and women who have deep seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. So that's the first point that this isn't a this isn't a small minority. Right. This is this is a minority. It's it's kind of touches all of our lives. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians. To unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross for the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. Okay, so uh, there are three things in there that I think are important. So if you're if you're thinking, what do I do uh, when a friend, loved one, son, right. brother, sister, whatever, uh, has the struggle? Um, kind of three main points I can glean from this. Uh, the first one is um, acceptance of the person, and this is the, the catechism says. Uh, they must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Uh, this constitutes for most of them a trial, you know. And so, except this is this is um, basically for many people who are not Christian, or even for some people who are Christian, uh, they have a, there's something in their head that if you're a Christian, you kind of have to be you're uncomfortable with homo, homosexuality, and right. you come across as a homophobe. Right. And I've heard that accusation. And I've heard kind of Christians or Catholics kind of brush it off, like oh. But honestly, I look around. I'm like, I think there are homophobes in the church. Yeah. I think there are people who don't know how to deal with it, and they at least they come across they're they're afraid of it. Um, and so I think the first thing to realize is that okay, to be Christian does not mean to be homophobic, and by that mean like you don't need to freak out when someone has manifests this struggle and confidence. Um, those I know who struggle with same-sex attractions of the churches, for most of them, it constitutes a trial. And so acceptance of the person, I think, is primary. And that goes even before they manifest anything. And this is how we should treat all people. Um, but um, accepting them where that, because for most of them, this struggle, uh, okay, you're, you're raised Catholic, you're raised Christian, uh, this cultural, political battle is going on or whatever. You say, and, but you you and you you look at your own heart and you say, I have these struggles. The struggles there, um, and the thoughts that are going through their heads, at least the ones I've known, is 
uh, can I really be loved here? Like, am I even capable of loving? Mm-hmm. Is there something wrong with me that I can't even love right. me? Um, everybody here seems to love me. The people who are supposed to, quote unquote, supposed to love me, my family, my community. Um, but they, if they knew this about me, would they still love me? Because of, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a, a lot of doubts and that it's, you're immediately living a life in darkness of like being shielded from the love of others because you have something that's, uh, has a lot of shame and, um, guilt associated with it, even if it doesn't need to necessarily be, you know, even if you haven't done anything, acted on it. Um, but, uh, so these are the struggles that a person will be dealing with. Uh, and so the response when someone manifests them, manifest this desire or this same sex attraction as a struggle um, is not to like l- back away from them or to get weird around them or to love them any less. It's to reaffirm that they are loved despite this, uh, or in, you know, even with this, there's nothing they can do to make you love them less. Mm-hmm. No, no part about their struggles, or whatever. Right. I think that's the main thing to emphasize. Um, acceptance of the person though. Acceptance of the person is it is an important distinction. And that's exactly. And this is a distinction that the catechism draws out. It so doesn't say you have to accept the, the gay lifestyle. Exactly. And this is, let me continue. Yeah. So the next part of that, I mean, just say quit cutting me off. Yeah, exactly. Stop cutting me off. So the, the, in the same paragraph though, the church says this inclination, which is objectively disordered. Right. And so you, you both accept the person, but recognize, I think we're afraid to call this a disorder. Yeah. I think. And, and, and if you read articles and you're reading literature on this, that's kind of a big battle here. Is this a disorder or not? And I think part of that, what do, we, what do we mean when we say disordered? I think some people hear disordered and think, you know, like, this is a disorder, you know, equals you are kind of a monster yeah. or a freak or something. Right. And the reality is that when we say disorder, it's a, we mean that in a very Catholic philosophical sense, meaning that we are made uh, for an end. We are made for a purpose. We are, uh, God has created us in such a way and ordered us in such a way. Uh, that our fulfillment is attained in a specific way, i.e., his plan for our lives, living life in Christ, mm-hmm. ultimately fulfilling life in heaven and living the life of the Trinity. Um, so when we say disorder, we're referring to something that is not in line with fulfilling that end. Right. Um, so all, that's all we're saying when we say yeah. disorder. It's objectively disorder because this tendency, uh, this tendency for same-sex attraction is disordered because it's an it's in the it's a desire to act in a way which will not bring me to ultimate happiness in Christ. But again, when disorder is played, when homosexual desires as disordered are in the context of all disordered sexual desires, which we all have, exactly. What it, when it's kind of given that normal place mm-hmm. instead of kind of isolated from it, then it then it, it gives it a more of a context and it makes more sense. Exactly, it's like, like you're a freak, and if you we have, have it all together, if you have a desire to, if a man has a, has a desire to lust after a woman, right? That is an objectively disordered desire. Does that mean it's not normal? Well, yeah, I mean it's kind of normal. Most guys, there's a, at least an inclination to, even if he's not acting on that. Um, but it's a disordered desire because it's a tendency pointing in a direction that is not going to lead to my fulfillment. Right. That's what we mean. So when the church says that, don't take that as like oh, the churches are bigots or when we're saying these people are disordered, this tendency is disordered, or we are, we're judging or you know, um, we're blind to this. Oh, all, all the church is just making a claim about what man is made for. 
I do. I do. I will say, like, I am so sick of the liberal media. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to go back. I'm the jerk in this. He's the nice guy, the pastoral guy. But, like, the media spins everything. I mean, mm. I, I see these bumper stickers everywhere. You know, hate is not a family value. Um, and it's all about, you know, we just hate and persecute. And let me tell you something. Like, I will, I will challenge any homosexual in Boulder, Colorado to say that I experienced more persecution in two years there than they did any single person. I guarantee it. And so for the media to just make us out to be these mo- these horrible people that are just like out hating people, and I don't think it. I think the, the regular person listening to this podcast is saying, I believe what the church says. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to make this happen. They're not uh, being rash and crazy. And so like the church is so clear on this. Like any unjust discrimination in their regard should be. Right, avoided. We we could never, um, ever accept that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I want to kind of challenge your sensitivity on this because you're very sensitive to it. But I think it's so ridiculously blown out of proportion. No, I think so. I, I, I agree with you, and I don't think you need to challenge it because I, I think I'm saying the same thing. We don't. We we need to stop being afraid of calling it a disorder. Right. Because I think the media has convinced us that oh we're hating when we do this. Right. And the church isn't. What the church means by this is something very specific. It doesn't mean you're freaks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we hate you or there's something wrong with you and there's not something wrong with us. You right. know, like we're all kind of in this mess together and right. you have some disorders, I have other disorders, there's, and this is one of them. This is one of the disorders that our family, the human family, is, is plagued with uh, because of sin and because of the... I mean, that's one thing to remember, too, that this, is, this isn't just a physical reality. There is, a, there's, there is demonic work. Uh, there's a demonic spirit at work here, as there is throughout all of humanity with... Um, we have an enemy, right? And he wants us to see what is good is evil, and what is evil is good. Um, and he wants us to point the finger and say that is the enemy, and they're pointing the finger at us, saying they are the enemy. The reality is, the enemy is not the liberal media. The enemy is not uh, the gay culture. The enemy is Satan. Mm-hmm. And 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 these the, the the liberal media, the people in the media, the people who are in the gay culture participating are casualties. Um, but it just it's just a good thing to keep that in mind because in the in the in the battle that's at work uh the there are a lot of poor who are suffering who are on both sides of the fence both sides of the line however you want to draw it so so anyway first thing acceptance of the person second thing recognizing there there's a disorder and not being afraid of that and understanding what that we mean by that um and um the third thing uh that the church points to in this paragraph uh, the last thing they say they say these persons are called to fulfill god's will in their lives and if they're Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. So, you know, this is this constitutes a cross for their lives, um, and the church urges to unite uh, to this the sacrifice of Christ's cross, uh, their own sacrifices that arise from this condition. I have a friend of mine who um, has you know struggles with same-sex attraction, loves the church, Orthodox, good man. Solid man, um, but I asked him as we, as I was kind of preparing and talking about this with him, I asked him, you know, what, what would you want me to say if I had to say anything about homosexuality, same-sex attraction, on this podcast? And he said one, one thing interesting. He says, he says, speak about um, the pastoral fruitfulness for the life of the church that uh, that can be attained by people who have this struggle, because hmm. this is a great cross. And the church in her wisdom sees this as every cross, every suffering that someone experiences doesn't have to be this dry, tepid uh, suffering. 
but it can be a suffering that is the suffering of a person united with the person of Christ uh, for the salvation of the world. And there can be great. It's like he he says he's like it's like there's uh, it's like there's so much potential for spiritual power from this this struggle if you unite to the Lord. And he was saying from his own experience, when I've united to Christ, it's been a huge source of grace in his right. life. Right. Uh, and he was uh, so he's just encouraging. This is and, I, and then I read the catechism. And I was like, oh, that's actually what the church encourages too. So if you if you have this struggle, um, if you find yourself struggling with same sex attraction, you, it's a real it's a real cross that few of us can understand. Uh, it isolates you from other persons. It, it, it kind of can cloud a lot of the ways that you feel like you're received by people or right. you receive others. Um, it hits you at your deepest part of your deepest core, your sexuality. Um, a real cross. And to, so if you're dealing with somebody who has same-sex attraction, recognize that this is not uh, something easy. Great sensitivity around it. Um, and if you have this struggle, recognize that um, you're not alone in this. Um, and you can be, you can have this struggle and be Catholic. Not only that, you can have this struggle and be a saint. Yeah. You can have this struggle and unite your struggle to the cross of Christ and do incredible work for the church just on a spiritual level with pastoral fruitfulness. Uh, for the mission of the church. And I think that is a, that is such an important thing um, for people to hear. Anybody who would listen to this, you know, God willing, somebody who actually struggles with, with this uh, with same-sex attraction, to hear that not only do you have a place in the church, but you have a privileged place because of the intensity of the cross mm. that you bear. You know what I mean? Yeah. That That is something that needs to be said uh, and needs to be and needs to be kind of encouraged because, again, the fruitfulness of the church stems from the cross, which is suffering, and Jesus gives us the invitation to bring these crosses to Him and to unite them in Him. And the church is uh, the the church's graces are dispensed from the crosses that people suffer. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Um, and, and just finally, the uh, the last there, there's one more paragraph on this. That's uh, just a couple, one sentence, I think, two sentences that the church says: homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom at times by the support of disinterested friendship, disinterested friendship, meaning non-platonic friendships, mm-hmm. friends who have their best interests in mind, uh, by prayer and sacramental grace, um, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. Beautiful. Um, so they're called a chastity, just like we are uh, as celibates, um, but just like all Christians are called to love chastely, you know, but it's interesting as a Father John. I don't know if you can relate to this, but as a as a seminary now as a deacon, um, when I've had conversations with men who have this struggle, um, I feel like it's much easier for me to say, "God's calling you to live chastely." You know, if you can't because live, you're living. because yeah. I'm like because the world tells us and the media tells us, the culture tells us, you need sex to be happy. Right. And we're so we never hear. We just need to step and be like, that is a lie. Yeah. You do not need sex to have real friendship, to have real love, to have real joy. Uh, there are sacrifices. There are sacrifices no matter which way you turn. If you have sex, you're going to have sacrifices um, with children, with all sorts of things. But you do not need sex to be happy. And I think that's what we're, we're so – it's so easy to be afraid to encourage people who have same-sex attraction. And one thing, and this is kind of a side note. The approach, some people are like, you know, if you have same-sex attraction, maybe you can be healed of this. Maybe you can be, maybe you can go to counseling and kind of get it worked out. It's true there are some instances. Uh, if you, um, Father Harvey, who's worked a lot with, uh, I think in Chicago with um, same-sex attraction and right. stuff like that, he's seen some results. But the majority of men who even have counseling can't change. Right. Uh, can't, they don't like have, 
heterosexual desires all of a sudden. Um, it's a possibility, but, um, for a young man, unmarried, uh, there's a danger in trying to want to try to uh, wanting to try to fix them when, uh, really like you can be, uh, have same sex attraction, have these tendencies and live chastely, live celibately, have a beautiful prayer life, have a life that's incredibly fruitful. Um, and be just as much a member of the church and a communion with the church as ever. And the church wants you. The church needs this. The church needs witnesses of men who have the struggle and, and women. I, I don't mean to, we were speaking about men because right, that's right, who right. I've talked to the most about it. Um, but uh, so, yeah, the main thing, though, if you're going to take away anything from this, this is the one thing I think is the crux of all what we said. It's very simple, but it's that the action, homosexual actions are sinful and disordered. Homosexual tendencies, a desire, is not sinful. I think people just need to hear that because yeah. I've 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 talked to s- several men who have this struggle and they don't hear that. Yeah, all they hear is that the church is against gay people. Right. Um, I think it's important to realize, like, if you if, if you are, have same sex attraction and you think uh, you agree that marriage is between a man and a woman and that uh, sex is only for marriage, when it comes to uh, same-sex attraction. The church isn't saying anything more than that. Mm-hmm. We're not saying like, oh, and if you have this this attraction, this tendency, you're you're you know you're right. going to hell or something right. like that. No, the church is just saying sex is made for marriage. Right. And marriage is between man and woman. Amen. Um. So anyway, and to kind of close us out, yes, and uh, come full circle from the beginning of the first podcast, back up to that camp, a bunch of college kids sitting around, uh, and we're talking about this. Ah, yes. And um, pray away the gay. Pray away the gay. Not the answer. What do you say? And they say, "What do we say to them?" And I said, "Well, the first thing you have to realize is that if they're telling you this, this is probably the first time they've ever articulated it, and it's probably the deepest, most humiliating and embarrassing thing they've ever experienced about themselves." Hmm. So the handling of that first articulation is so important. Literally, the way that they do that could make the difference between whether we run them out of the church, right, for the rest of their life and make mm-hmm. them militantly, you know, anti-Catholic in, in the gay, you know, movement, or if they embrace it as their cross uh, and then have a profoundly fruitful life coming from their chastity. Profoundly fruitful. Mm-hmm. Um, I told them that. I said, chastity is, this, is the source of friendship, according to the catechism. We've got to encourage them in that way. And so I said, you've got to be very, very delicate, very, very careful um, but at the same sense, trying to articulate everything that we've been saying already and not to reiterate that again. And I think they understood that as that's exactly right. It's, it's what you described very well, which is acceptance of the person, but articulating that the disordered nature of the desire and then, and then the encouragement, the accountability and the support of friendship and Christian relationship to have self-mastery over the desires and come to holiness in Christ. And that's that's what we're talking about here. That's right. And so we need, and we need to talk about it. We need to, uh, not just us, but like talk about it with, you know, your friends, with your with your children when they're at appropriate age. But like people need to hear the truth yeah. about homosexuality and not just, because the media is talking all about it. Yeah. Um, and it, and they're, they're receiving lies, yeah. you know. It's, it's, it's love without truth. Well, I'm going to preach on it this weekend. We'll see how it goes. It can't All be right. as, it can't be as uh, violent as they were to me in Boulder. So <laughs> probably um, not. 
So, anyways, that's uh, enough for heavy topic. We'll have Global coming at it next and talking about, I don't know. I don't know, raisins or something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, we do appreciate emails, especially those of you who have been waiting a long time for this topic. Yes, we most requested it- topic. And honestly, uh, shoot us emails. Give us feedback about this. We could even have, like, we could do a podcast just on, like, responses. I mean, yeah. if there's if you have a, uh, some thoughts on maybe something we miss, something you disagree with, you think we said the wrong way, uh, please let us know. And, uh and we'll, re- we'll respond for sure. Uh, but we appreciate your feedback always. So. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. 